I'm as shocked as you are. Our, our condolences to the city of Pittsburgh for what's happened the last couple of weeks. My goodness, what's going on? We'll get to that in a second. Welcome to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on this lovely Friday, this lovely football Friday. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth here with you from 9 to noon Eastern on the BetQL Network. Listen to the show on the Odyssey app. Watch the show on twitch.tv slash BetQL on YouTube and follow us on X at BetQL Daily. Joining us on the program today, John Daigle from 4 for 4 in Betspurts with his favorite prop plays for the weekend, including which Cowboys targets to back against the Eagles. But first, I feel guilty. I feel like in some way I wronged America. Pat Steelers went over the total by halftime. The Pats did score a touchdown, despite whatever we may have implied pertaining to that game. In fact, Hunter Henry had two scores for the Patriots. Steelers survivor suggestions are dead. Steelers number one seed hopes are dashed. Well, I didn't recommend that one. That that wasn't me. That was someone else. Uh, And by the way, overall, this game misbehaved more than a three-year-old after a pack of pixie sticks. Joe, what do we make? of the Patriots winning outright and uh, nearly going over the total by themselves. Well, we did also say, listen, it's never that easy with the NFL. A lot of times when everybody's on the under, everybody's talking about how it's going to be a blank show that we end up getting some points and we ended up getting some points, only points early, just uh, pretty early in that game. So it was alt overs the play, right? Not alt unders. It ended up being alt overs. My goodness. (laughs) Uh, I don't think anybody was betting that. Uh, Yeah. I don't know (laughs) if anybody's betting that one uh, as, as far as last night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just to hear Aaron boo is all I have to say to that. And I'm thinking about those Steelers fans last night. They're booing Trubisky. I used to be one of those people. I don't know if they were booing Tomlin. Maybe they were. Maybe they're still booing Matt Canada. Wait, he got fired. Everything's better. Matt Canada's, oh, maybe, really not. I don't I don't know. Some people, are people still making the case that there's really not much of a difference from Pickett to Trubisky? What the hell is happening? Not only losing back-to-back, but it's those two teams. There are certain squads where the schedule doesn't matter, that there's an easy schedule. It doesn't matter. They play everyone close, and they ended up playing that game close last night, but uh, not close enough to where they could pull off the victory, Aaron. But uh, what, what? so embarrassing for the Steelers. I mean, when you start to trust them, this is when they show you, yeah, they play up to their competition, when they should walk into weeks where they, they beat up a team, they don't do it. You're muted, Aaron. Sorry. They were also uh, cheering for Mason Rudolph, which is crazy. They were booing. So- they were saying Rudolph. <laughs> they, uh, yeah, there are some Steelers fans that don't think Tomlin's very good anymore I don't know how Mm -hmm. many or how loud that narrative is becoming but it is crazy that even a few weeks ago people were talking about Tomlin for coach of the year and now people are back to saying (laughs) the guy stinks what is going on in Pittsburgh but it's bad I mean when Kenny Pickett maybe Kenny Pickett is a lot better than than people might think I'm not sure how how this happened with the Steelers maybe it is just that you know, they beat up on bad teams. But on the other side, like, Bailey Zappi wasn't bad in college. Like, maybe Bill Belichick is trying to get the most out of him, and he's improving, and there is something there. Not saying he's going to be the answer for the future, but at least for the rest of the season, 
as long as it's not Matt Jones, I didn't think Bailey Zappi was that bad. I didn't think he was either, and he was also dealt a bad hand. I mean, the Patriots only had three active receivers for the entire game. Like, he was being forced to throw to Ezekiel Elliott, who I can tell you, as someone who was with the Cowboys for a rather long time, Ezekiel Elliott is not really a pass-catching running back. Maybe he is in a couple (laughs) of highlight screens here and there, but the way the Patriots used him, that is not how you are supposed to use Zeke. Not at all. But the Patriots were forced to do that, and they were successful doing so. And then they're targeting Hunter Henry. And what's fascinating to me about all of this is that, like, coming into this game, the Steelers were actually really good when opposing offenses were targeting tight ends and running backs. They were really, really good defending them. And for some reason, they weren't this go-round. So part of it was that the defense wasn't doing Mitch Trubisky any favors, but also some of it too is that Trubisky just played poorly. I mean, that fourth and two play, I thought was a microcosm of pretty much everything, right? Like where you just need to move the sticks, keep the drive going for your chance to win, and then you're trying to throw it deep because you think you see some one-on-one coverage, some matchup you think you can take advantage of. But no, you're Mitch Trubisky. You are more inaccurate (laughs) than all three of us if we were trying to throw the ball 20 yards downfield. It was absolutely atrocious. So now the question is, what do we do with this information? What do we do about this going forward? Are the Steelers still going to find a way to make the playoffs, or is that dead? If they aren't making the playoffs, which AFC team can sneak in and snag one of those wildcard spots? Anything stand out to you there, Joe? Do they have to sneak in anymore? Steelers are out this morning. They're out. I mean, they're on the outside looking in, and they sh- I don't trust them to get to work their way back in. How long is Pickett going to be out of this game? So, I mean, it's – yeah, I don't know. I, but they are one of the teams that we pointed to. While everybody was saying positive things a couple weeks ago about the Steelers, we did look at it and say, look, they're not going to be the five in the AFC. And that's what they were yesterday. And then today they're the eight. They're, they're on the outside. So, I – no, I don't have any trust in them. Now, look, what what do they do when the schedule gets tougher? Um, they're going to what? They're going to probably surprise us. I mean, that's see, that's the other thing with the NFL and, and looking at the schedule. Like a lot of times we make assumptions. Oh, this is going to happen. And oh, look how soft this is. And it never works out that way. There are upsets every single week. Um, the Steelers now plus 180 to make the playoffs. So the numbers are telling us that it, they have an uphill climb here. That they're uh, they're a two to one payout to make the playoffs. The Rams, the Vikings have shorter odds to make it. The Browns are minus mm. one sixty. Colts minus one ninety. That's where the Steelers are now. Man, yeah, those four teams with seven wins. It's going to be interesting to see how those teams do moving forward. I blame Kenny Pickett. Mad about this. I look like an absolute clown after that number one seed in the eight. Pickett's not that good. Pickett's not. I don't. I'm not sure they win that game with Pickett last night. He's not that good. The past was there. Now, now they're on a free fall. Like this is terrible. What's happening to Pittsburgh? Look, I mean the the Patriots were also. It looked like they were trying to lose that game last night. In the end, right? Like everything that was happening, and oh my goodness, I'm like, are they? Are we sure they're not tanking? I don't know mm-hmm. about that. Um, yeah, the way that was going. I mean, what did they do after the first half? What'd they do? They were trying to fumble it away. Right. Yeah. They, they, they certainly were. And I think this goes back to a point that we've made before that 
tanking is not really a thing in the NFL, at least not week 14, right? Like, mm-hmm. there are going to be some bad teams going up against some decent to great teams on the card this weekend. And to simply say, well, they're trying to tank or they're trying to get a better draft pick or whatever, you don't know that. Some teams are actually trying to win because of individual interests or coaches trying to keep their jobs or to impress, to get a job, whatever the case may be. This idea of tanking mm-hmm. just doesn't exist. And so the Patriots came ready to go. Yeah, the mm-hmm. second half was really bad. The second half was kind of what we were expecting, but they were out to such a massive lead that you knew Trubisky wasn't going to be able to climb back from it. Yeah, and or look, maybe- this is going to be fun to talk about with this playoff picture. Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, maybe Belichick's trying to, you know, mix in a W here and there to show Robert Kraft that he hasn't lost his fastball completely <laughs> and maybe. save his job. <laughs> no, but but look at all the uh, all the games with big implications. We'll we'll break down uh, coming up in the show. But you know, we got Cleveland right now. They're the five, and they're a three point favorite. Uh, against Jacksonville. What's going to happen there? Houston, they're in the mix. Are they still going to be in the mix for the division if Jacksonville ends up losing, like like a lot of people think they're going to? What if Houston loses outright and it's a bit of a surprise, even though they're only favored by three and a half? Like, uh, you know, Cincinnati, that's basically a toss-up. Now they're the favorite in their game against Indianapolis. Buffalo, Kansas City, another game pretty much viewed as a toss-up against Kansas City. It's going to be fun to see how this whole thing shakes out. Absolutely will be. How about we move on now? Uh, We'll get back to more NFL talk, and we will certainly go over the entire slate of games for week 14 later on in the broadcast. But in the meantime, let's quickly touch upon the NBA in-season tournament. Uh, If you decided not to watch Thursday Night Football at all, well, for the most part, you were treated to some fantastic basketball. Maybe not so much the second half of one game, uh, but in the early contest out in Vegas, and there were at least a few fans there, maybe not enough, uh, but at least a few fans uh, got to watch the Pacers knock off the Bucks 128-119. They not only covered Indiana did, they won outright plus 170 on the money line. This game did go under the 257 all the way down to 247. Tyrese Halliburton down to plus 550 to perhaps be the MVP of this tournament. In fact, let's hear from Halliburton about the Pacers getting all the way to the in-season tournament final. Under a minute remaining. Pacers clinging to a five-point lead. Halliburton tries another three. Bang! Tyrese Halliburton from downtown. Timeout Bucks. It's an eight-point lead. And there you go. The the incredible clutch performance by uh, Tyrese Halliburton there. But uh, not only that. Uh, The Lakers absolutely dominated the Pelicans 133 to 89. They cover their number. Uh, That game goes under. But now we get to the championship game where the Lakers are four point favorites over the Pacers with a total of 240 and a half, Joe. Yeah, Pacers pulling away in the end. Halliburton showing that he belongs in the regular season MVP conversation too. Like you look at that number and how much it's dropped over the season. Like it's legitimate. And I think it's going to continue to drop if uh, his play continues. I mean, that stat line with 15 assists along with 27 points, just unbelievable. Hope you uh, picked the right prop category because the points did not get there, but you know, some of the other ones like PRA obviously did. Uh, Giannis goes over. We talked about that uh, as far as his points dominating inside expected ends up scoring uh, 37 Pacers pull away in the end that, that big total that we were talking about did not hit. It goes under by 10 Um, Pacers weren't hitting their threes, but 
they play at such a fast pace that they found a way to to pull in pull away in the end and yeah you mentioned the the other game non-competitive last night pretty much uh what we've been seeing from the lakers with the big boys uh getting it done and and reefs coming off the bench uh to support nobody on the pell side even gets to 15 the number i it's about what i expected not that much of a surprise almost the exact same number we got in indiana milwaukee if it still feels a little bit like uh pacers don't get the respect that they deserve at this point total not as high as uh, we saw yesterday because the Lakers are involved and they hit unders and they uh, play at a slower pace mm-hmm. LeBron dominant I do think he does want that mm-hmm. one thing that Michael Jordan doesn't have I believe in that That's narrative. right and he called the the in-season tournament dope so he's having fun enjoying it I'm sure any players that get to go to Vegas during the season aren't complaining right now Probably a lot of fun there. And then I, I just disappointing. I I am disappointed in the Bucks. Like Dame time, where mm. was that? You know, Giannis mm. is mad and disappointed as well, calling the guys out. I'm just like, oh, here we go again. Maybe Giannis is part of the problem. He always is complaining. Maybe he needs to be <laughs> more of a leader <laughs> rather than calling people out because he did this last year too. It's annoying. But, yeah, I mean, Halliburton, very, very impressive. I thought about betting Giannis and Halliburton double-doubles it hit, but it was minus 185. I was like, ah, I don't know if I could stomach that, but now I'm kind of like, I just should have bet it probably. No, I, I certainly understand that. Yeah, it's all about percentages, right? Like, if the number seems really expensive, like, is it even more of a guarantee than we think? Then it's probably okay to do so. You know what's fascinating mm-hmm. to me? First off, one quick correction. Halliburton, plus 550 for most improved player, the season award, not necessarily the tournament award there. But what's fascinating to me from that Lakers outing was LeBron James, like, hitting a bunch of really long threes that his three-point shooting might be the best it's ever been. And that's really intriguing. And with these Pacers, are we sure that they can't at least make a run in the Eastern Conference? Because when we look there, it's really only two teams that we really, really respect, right? Boston and Milwaukee. Are we not just Mm -hmm. positive that Indiana could be, say, the three seed with that incredible offense? I'm not positive. They could be. Yeah, sure. Um, After we were talking about it yesterday, I was was thinking, man, it is Milwaukee. And it's the team that they were facing yesterday. Could they beat them out for the Central Division? Like, you can get some good value. I I don't know about that. Aaron, that's a good point about the Bucs. They're always complaining. He's thinking about it. It's always the coach's fault. And then yesterday, Portis is is yelling at Griffin, apparently, in the locker room. Like, they're putting all this blame on him. It's bad there. Maybe Giannis is to blame because everyone else has been in and out of there already. (laughs) Yeah, they changed coaches, and yet here we are. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we begin our look at all those other AFC wildcard contenders, Bengals, Browns, so much more right here on the BetQL Network. We'll be right back with BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network.
Third down in about a yard and a half. Extra men on the rush. This one floated. Caught by Chase. And he is gone. Touchdown Cincinnati as he takes it into the end zone. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. It's time to talk about Sunday's NFL action for Week 14. And I guess the secret is out now concerning the Cincinnati Bengals. You heard the call from Monday Night Football there. It took a few days, but the line has moved against the Colts. Cincinnati was a one-point dog at home. Now they are two-point favorites. The total has also moved slightly from 43.5 to 44. So, Joe... Do you want to zag when everyone else is zigging? What 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 is zigging? What does that qualify as? Because the line moves, so everybody's on the Bengals. Is that what's happening? I, I suppose. I, I suppose that okay. is what zigging is uh, by the Oxford English Dictionary. No, I'm just wondering what are people doing? What what is everybody doing? That's my question to you. Because I I don't know. I, is everybody on the Bengals? I, I mean, I was. I mean, as one-point yeah. dogs, I was more than okay doing that. Now with a three-point line move, I go, well, I don't, I don't know how well I feel about this. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, there are a lot of yeah. uh, options for spots this week. And, you know, the the Colts, <laughs> you look at their four-game win streak, like, okay, I guess I see why they're doing this. Look at the soft opponents. But I, I never felt that they should have been road favorites against the Bengals. So I, I understand why the move uh, – Boy, that's significant in a day. I know we're going through mm-hmm. zero, so it doesn't mean as much. But in one day, as far as I know, not based off if information like injury information or anything like that, where it just completely flips. So it had to be respected money. You know, the look ahead on this before that Monday night game was two and a half indie. That's a mm. big move. It, yeah. Are we bordering on overreaction to Monday? But it also wasn't an overreaction because that's not what the line was yesterday. So it it obviously shows us that a a respected group or two, Aaron came in on the Bengals, which I felt was the right side, but yeah, I agree with that. Now I'm kind of like, eh, do do I want to be in a position where I have to have Jake Browning on a short week coming off that Monday night performance where he's got to back it up and win by at least a field goal over a team that's competing. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I was looking at the total, and now even that's gone up a point. 43 and a half, there's still a couple out there, but there's 44s. There's a 44 at BetMGM, and then some 44 and a halfs already. But I think both of these offenses can move the football. I know it's a small sample size with Jake Browning, but we can't deny at least he's got some weapons. And maybe that's why people are on the Bengals here. But Gardner Minshew has been really good, too. Um, and Zach Moss. So I think that maybe I'll be looking at the over in this one. Hmm. Over is an interesting play to me just because this could be a high variance game. Whenever I looked at like the quarterback comparison between Minshew and Browning, there are a lot of good things that both quarterbacks can do. Now, Browning does have the edge, though small sample size theater. Browning does have the edge when it comes to like completion percentage over expected, success rates better, EPA per dropbacks better. All that's fine. But in terms of the weaknesses by each quarterback, Browning has a much higher sack rate, and that's his fault. That's not the offensive line's fault. It is his fault. And then with Minshew, he has a lot more turnover-worthy throws. 
So it could be a situation where Minshew throws a couple of interceptions, even against this defense that maybe we don't just love. And it's also possible that Browning, just like Joe Burrow, could take a lot of sacks, which could stall some drives where they look like they're moving the ball effectively, but then maybe they're settling for field goals or they're punting and being a little bit too conservative. And that's why this just feels like a volatile game where suddenly that edge that I wanted with the Bengals plus one and maybe the total at 43 and a half. Now I'm just not so sure anymore. And maybe I just want to stick to props where the numbers are say a little bit lower. Does anybody want to tease the Colts plus eight? Ooh, I love that. Really? I do love that. Yeah, I think the Colts can win this game. I'm not as convinced. I think it's just because I don't know enough about Jake Browning. Yeah, he's looked great and been impressive, but is that going to continue? And for how long? And, you know, he's due to have an off game, and maybe this is the spot. So, yeah, I like that option. I couldn't do that. I I think that this game could end a bajillion different ways. Like, if the Colts lose 35-3, to Are they suddenly regressing to the mean? Like, we could make that narrative. That would make sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, If Cincinnati loses this 35-3, to well, Jake Browning just got hot on Monday Night Football, but in reality, he's still a backup quarterback, and we saw that unfold against this Colts defense. Like, this could end a variety of different ways, and that's why, like, even as a teaser leg, I go – Six points doesn't sound like that much to me in terms of all the possible outcomes. So I would shy away from it, Joe. Yeah, boy, I'm a little surprised at how low the prop numbers are for Jamar Chase because I I feel like what we saw Monday, Browning certainly Mm -hmm. trusts him, and he should, and Chase trusts Browning to find him. I mean, he had 11 receptions on 12 targets, 149 yards and a touchdown. Obviously, Chase is always capable of having a massive game, but I'm more interested in look at the, the receptions to targets. I know there were some fluky things that did happen with bounces in that game, but he's still probably going to look his way, and it's kind of like the Jefferson situation. Okay, we're going to a backup quarterback or mediocre quarterback, and now the number is too far uh, down. It's 67 and a half. I feel like just Hmm. with Chase, I don't care who the quarterback is, that's too short because one of those short passes can go for that 67 and a half. Mm -hmm. Man, I think you're on to something with these receivers and their props being so low. What about Tyler Boyd at 32 and a half receiving yards? Because if Jake Browning is going to do non-backup like stuff, won't it be mm-hmm. with Boyd as the recipient? Because we know like Jamar Chase will get his and certainly like a couple of short throws with Yak will turn into something where that over looks pretty appealing. But what about this idea of Browning utilizing the rest of his weapons to where maybe he throws a couple of deep shots when everything is being crowded at the line and Boyd's the recipient of that. What do you guys think? I'd prefer I'd prefer Chase. Um, I think he's more likely to go to Boyd. And he had seven targets the other night. So I like him more than T. Higgins. I'll say that. Because T. Higgins was yeah. the guy that was kind of left on the outside. And he gets forgotten about from time to time. And that was certainly the case the other day as he kept going chase, chase, chase. Uh, Mixon, too. Mixon got a number of targets. So, yeah. Again, the short passing game, maybe Mixon is involved. Absolutely. I still like the okay, let's chase move. look. 
Sure, sure. Let's move on now to the Jaguars and the Browns. Uh, Browns are still three-point favorites here at home. The total has gone up from 30.5 to 32.5. And I suppose if I had to guess why, two reasons. One, all this weather stuff may not be as impactful as perhaps we originally expected. It does look like that the forecast uh, for the Midwest might be you know, clearing up just a little bit. Maybe the wind isn't as bad. Uh, but I also mm-hmm. wonder, too, and maybe this is more of a public reaction than it is like a Sharps reaction, but do you guys suppose that because we saw a super low total last night that went way over – that suddenly we are a little bit more apprehensive to pound the table on a game being low scoring. Hundred percent, hundred percent. It's what the the public uh, sees last. Like that was the big story, lowest total in decades, and then it flies over in the first half, and people are going to remember that. <laughs> like, oh, remember what happened on Thursday? That was supposed to be, you know, another six nothing game like we saw last week, and then uh, it ends up flying over. So maybe this one ends up flying over. Sure. I could absolutely see that. There's a lot of interesting things happening with the quarterback situations on both sides in this matchup. Trevor Lawrence practicing yesterday. He looked all right. They called him limited officially going from DNP, and he steps to the podium, no boot, and then he's practicing yesterday. But, man, I have a tough time thinking still that Doug Peterson is going to put Trevor Lawrence in a short week on that field against the Browns defense down to his third string left tackle. That part is a tough putt for me. I don't think that makes a lot of sense. And by the way, without Christian Kirk, you know, like there's so many beat up Jaguars and this is a team that was very healthy early on in the season. And now on the Brown side, is it going to be Flacco? He spoke to the media. So you would think that 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 usually shows a pretty good sign that it's going to be that quarterback playing in the weekend. And then the OC Van Pelt was talking about having a package for DTR, which plays into what we were talking about yesterday. Like you would like some of the positive stuff that DTR would, would bring, but you don't want them out there for the entire game. Well, maybe you end up having a package for him uh, in this specific matchup that plays to his strengths. If he gets out of the concussion protocol. So very interesting on both sides. I don't know, Aaron, what do you think? Do you think Trevor Lawrence is going to play? I don't know, but if he does, he's not going to be 100%, which makes me lean right. Browns. And the, the Browns really defense has to have a bounce back game. Allowing 36 points to the Rams and you're supposed to be the number one defense, you cannot have that continue. So if it is Flacco, the Browns defense is better. I think this is a spot for the Browns because if Trevor Lawrence yeah. plays, he's not 100%. High ankle sprains usually take a few weeks. So I just don't know mm-hmm. what the Jacks can really do in this game. <laughs> is it possible, Aaron, that Trevor Lawrence is out there, but he's handing the ball off a good bit? Because even though the conditions may have improved a little bit as far as weather goes, it still may be a run first, run early, run often kind of approach by both offenses. Lawrence can still be out there. He's just not being asked to do all that much as far as setting his feet, you know, three, five stop uh, <sighs> three five-step dropbacks fire put himself in harm's way those kinds of things maybe this is just a travis Etienne game gosh i mean do you think no matter what win maybe it's a stay away just with all these question marks i but, don't but you know what strong opinion e- e- even if it's not sunday this is great for the jaguars 
Because just maybe I'm reading too much into it, just based on the clips that we saw and the fact that he's already practicing, he might miss this game, but it's not a long-term injury, right? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't we expect him to play in another week from now? When you hear high ankle, you're like, oh, that's a month. That might be the regular season for the Jaguars. And just based off what we've seen already, it certainly seems like that if you're holding the Jags to win the division ticket, just seeing that yesterday, you probably feel pretty good. But, you know, they're underdogs in this game. They're not even supposed to win. Right. Do you think you it's know, a situation as as where goes- Lawrence is begging to play as well? And just, he, sure. you know, because they want to win the division and stay in this, that he's like, you just got to get me out there. Hopefully nothing bad happens if that is the case. Mm-hmm. Certainly could be. Right. That is an option. And I wonder too, like if you had to put a probability on it for me, I go, yeah, Lawrence will probably be out there. That's what I'm anticipating. Bethard may be healthy enough to go in, in some key spots, but if I'm wrong, Nathan Rourke is a rookie and he might be active for this game. And I think (laughs) it's one of the key lessons and takeaways from this year in general is it can always get worse. Is there some chance that they go to a third stringer in Jacksonville? And is there some way, I guess, to back the Browns because of that? Just because if if everything goes wrong for Jacksonville, which I think is a very real possibility, maybe not that likely, but it's possible. Isn't minus three, like, more than appetizing, knowing that, like, hey, disaster could very well strike? A hundred percent. I mean, it's not going to be minus three if we hear that it's going to be a O'Rourke. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I'm not on it, but a lot of people I trust are on Cleveland minus three, and I totally get it, the way this thing lines up. Like, at this point, Friday morning, we don't know what's going to happen. The QB situation, an educated guess, is, is that I'm going to say Bethard plays. But, mm-hmm. wow, high ankle and Trevor Lawrence playing the same week, that that's crazy. Now – Long-term, that's more good stuff, I think, for the Jaguars. Possibly reading too much into it, but that does a lot in the locker room. Like This dude, Trevor Lawrence, like people have, question, have questions about him this year, and I think it's justified. But I'll say this, that there, are, there I'm seeing fire in this guy, and I know this is not numbers, like this is other stuff, but like in that locker room, that matters if you're going to be available every single week. And Trevor Lawrence is doing his damnedest to make sure that he's out there for his team. And if he is, the Jags play very well on the road. So maybe, right. maybe it is right. a spot yeah, to right. back the Jags. <laughs> Jacksonville doesn't have carts. No wonder they play so poorly at home. They don't have the necessary resources. Oh, they, they're shutting that down. They, Trevor Lawrence did everything. Another reason he's a good teammate. Do you see? He took, yeah. like, hey, no, I waved it off. I yeah. waved off. Yeah, I'm not buying it, buddy. Not buying it. <laughs> no sorry bob not at all R- real quickly uh any props in this game that stand out uh anything you guys want i mean it's it's cha- it's challenging right outside of uh mm-hmm. running back props to figure something out with tight end and receivers and we don't know the quarterbacks because just everything is up in the air uh not for me how about you aaron no i have not bet props in this one good deal this is Bechtwell Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, can the Chiefs rectify their offensive woes and knock off the Buffalo Bills? That's right here on the BetQL Network.
We'll be right back with BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. This league's crazy right now. I mean, it's it's week to week. Um, I, I think we understand that. I, I mentioned you know a few weeks ago, San Francisco. Everybody, when we were in Germany, San Francisco was on a three-game skid, you know. So, and now they're now they're playing well. Denver, you know, same thing, and they're playing well. This is BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM from BetQL. I wish I would have heeded that advice from Andy Reid prior to the Patriots-Steelers game. Maybe I would have bet it just a little bit differently. Yes, this league is absolutely crazy right now. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And, of course, Andy Reid's Chiefs. Got a huge, huge game coming up against the Buffalo Bills. Chiefs are one-and-a-half-point favorites with a total of 48-and-a-half. And there is some news pertaining to the Bills that we do need to start with as far as understanding what the heck is going on within the organization. Maybe this is shedding a little bit of light as far as, you know, any kind of dysfunction that we might be sensing. So a report came out with several sources corroborating that Bills head coach Sean McDermott made a speech to his players at Bills training camp a few years ago where he referenced 9-11, saying the terrorists were coordinated and they worked together to be able to commit this horrible tragedy. And I suppose the lesson learned was that this is how you come together, I suppose, and you know players organized can come together and be a team or whatever. Well, yesterday McDermott apologized for that speech and that reference, And it is important to note McDermott's current contract runs through 2027. The report that this came from was a self-described 20,000-word report highlighting just how bad of a motivator and coach McDermott is. So then my question to you, Joe, is with this report coming out and then McDermott actually having a news conference to talk about it and apologize for it, is there anything actionable betting-wise here? It's a fair question. There's a lot of noise going on in that building right now. So this was a a three-part report by Tyler Dunn, who's a Bills reporter who's excellent at covering the team. And you have to subscribe to read it all. It was more than 20,000 words just shredding McDermott. And there were a lot of anonymous quotes by people that want him fired now. Like, get him out of the building. There'll be celebration. It'll be a great day. And there were other stories. I know the 9-11 quote is is what, you know, made national waves yesterday. uh, A quote that was apparently said four years ago. And, like, there are a lot of people. It just shows me that there are a lot of people in that building that are out to get McDermott. Like, they're doing whatever they can to get this guy out of there. Um, Another thing that was, uh, was a really big deal on WGR yesterday, our sister station in Buffalo, 
uh, and I go on the afternoon show every Thursday, is a, another story. Like he's had a lot of problems with coaches, a lot, and and a lot of have left, been fired. However, it went down, and it's kind of been swept under the rug. And you know, he fired a guy in season. He fired the offensive coordinator. Now things have been going better offensively under Joe Brady. They're coming off the bye now. It's been a small sample size. But another situation that that people were bothered by was um, the receiver, the former receivers coach. Players loved this guy so much that the players got together. They chipped in. They bought him a truck, and Mc, this pissed McDermott off. Like he was very jealous of the real relationship the assistant would have with the players and. Like there, there's a lot of things going on, you know, inside those walls. So it, it, this, you know, McDermott outside of guys like Belichick, Tomlin, he's been around longer than any other coach in the NFL. I mean, that's we were talking about it before the season started. Ed, like, hey, there's a possibility where this guy gets fired, and now we're sitting here with the Chiefs game when everybody was expecting this to be for home field in the playoffs. And the Bills have six losses, and we don't know if they're going to make the postseason. Today, they would not make the playoffs. Like They've got to go 4-1, and 5-0 and oh the rest of the way. So is there something actionable? It depends on the roster. Like, Do you believe that they're going to be able to shut everything out, that they're going to be focused on football for two weeks after uh, that rough loss the last time we saw them, Aaron, in that Eagles game? I mean, I'm at the point where this stuff is just kind of hard to defend, you know, and I could see people trying yeah. to push him out. But like, listen, if you're a player and this is your head coach using these types of references, you're probably like, gosh, like, do we say something? But things keep piling up and eventually it's like the top's going to blow off. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, if this is the stuff that's leaking out, there's probably even more things going on behind closed closed doors and maybe i'm assuming that that's the case but this all just is very odd to me and really hard to defend and just uncomfortable and aaron isn't it amazing that like this is twenty thousand words of basically yeah. a diatribe explaining why mcdermott should not be the head coach of buffalo anymore and there could be more stuff I completely agree yeah. with you. Like, chances are, like, this is just what was captured. This is just what was known or Proof. at least readily available. Yeah. There could be more mm -hmm. things out there that we don't know about. That's where I'm at because usually it's like, okay – you you put pen to paper or plan this type of speech and no alarm bells go off inside like maybe i shouldn't mm -hmm. say it. like there's a lot wrong here to unpack and it's just weird which makes me think that there's probably been things said or you know meetings and other stuff that's head scratching has gone on but this is just maybe what they actually have proof of and it's all coming to light now yeah when i think about the bills over the last few years Josh Allen has been phenomenal, right? Like he's been a top five, top three quarterback for a few years now. And this defense has had some fantastic stars. And Stefan Diggs is unbelievable. And you have other great skill players over the course of these last few years that have been just exceptional. Home field advantage is great there. There's so many reasons why we can understand, you know, very smart people backing the Bills to win the Super Bowl this year. Plenty of smart people picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl last year, even the prior mm -hmm. season than that. Like, this is something where expectations have been really, really high for this franchise for a few years now, and rightfully so. A lot of good reasons for that. 
And it's always felt like whether it's at the end of the regular season or in the playoffs, I think last year's playoffs, probably the best example of this, where it just came out a little flat. They underwhelmed a little bit. They seemed like something was missing. The vibe may have been off. However you want to describe it, it's just something where you weren't expecting that fight, that burning desire from the Bills. And you wonder why. Like, what is it about this team where they're just not quite meeting rather lofty expectations despite all of this talent and also really good coaching? Like, play design has been great for them. But maybe this sheds some light on that why. That there's just something that McDermott is doing to where it just grinds everybody down to the nub to where maybe late in games or late in seasons when everybody is really tired, exhausted, and beaten up, that that last little ounce that you need to find internally just isn't there because you're dealing with an authority figure who's doing crap like this. Yeah, and here we are, and it's the team – that gave them the 13 seconds of hell. Another big part of that article, the, the 13 seconds. And just everything that they, they do as an organization, they, they consider they have long meetings, every move that they make. Does this get us closer to beating the Chiefs? And here we are this weekend. It's the Bills and the Chiefs. And it, we're down to, are we still at one and a half? One and a half right now. Mm-hmm. I know that came down the other day. Yes. Okay. So we're still at one and a half. Yeah, one and a half. Basically, the market, the market is saying on a neutral field, these teams are even right now. As as many struggles as the Bills have gone through this year, you know, the Chiefs have gone through their issues as well, and and they're coming off of a of a loss, of course. Uh, the Bills can absolutely win this game. They can. Offensively, they can hang with anyone. Like we're not, at least lately, criticizing the Bills' offense like we are the Chiefs, and that is certainly justified as well. And, you know, this Chiefs defense that that got a ton of praise early on in the season, I don't know that they're playing as strong of late. And, you know, Kelsey doesn't look as good as he did. And we're dealing with all the drops from the receivers. That's been going on all all year. But we do see an ascending Rushy Rice. Um, Man, I've been on the Bills. I've been thinking Bills are going to win this game for a long time. The stuff that that came out yesterday and what I think is happening inside those walls uh, gives me reason to be concerned a little bit. But I'm going to stick with stick with my pick. I do like the Bills to win this game. I'm on the Chiefs. I I don't know how long I can do the whole Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes (laughs) awful loss thing because this team is different, but they usually don't lose back-to-back games, and I just think that they will find a way um, to cover this number. So I'll be on the Chiefs side. But I'm with you, Joe. Like, this news with the Bills, like, I'm kind of torn. Like, will the players rally or is this just kind of like a dark cloud looming over them and maybe it'll be a bit of a distraction? The dark cloud has been there for some time, I, I think mm-hmm. is what the report is trying to tell us, that it's not just, okay, now everybody's going to react to it. Like, it's enlightening to the fans, to you and me, but it's not necessarily yeah. enlightening to the players. They've probably known about this stuff for some time. Go like, hey, you know, you don't really don't want to be too buddy-buddy with McDermott or you really can't be, whatever it is. Like, now we just know this dark cloud exists. And I guess that sort of goes back to my point of, okay, when it comes to long-term goals and expectations for the Bills, maybe this explains why they're not meeting them. Because 
something McDermott is doing or several things he's doing, just rubbing everybody the wrong way to where ultimately they, they just can't do it anymore when you get to the end of the season. So long-term, fade the Bills. Short-term, though, I think they can win this game, Aaron. There is that saying that, you know, teams take on the personality of the head coach. And if there's some friction there, maybe that's that is something why they haven't been able to win a Super Bowl with all the talent that they have. Mm-hmm. Man, it, if they do win this game, futures wise, think of how different the conversation is going to be for us on Monday and Tuesday. What are they for the playoffs? Because right now they're plus 375. What are they for even more than that? If you can go to Arrowhead and win, what are the Super Bowl numbers going to be? What are they, 50 to 1 right now, I believe, somewhere mm-hmm. in that range? Yeah, they've been that for a couple of weeks after that Eagles loss. Like, can they run the table? That's going to be the conversation. If they can win this Chiefs game, hey, they have the ability to beat anybody. So, yeah, yeah I see a 40 to 1 for the Super Bowl. This is a season. Their season is yeah. on the line at Arrowhead. I don't think they want it any other way. <laughs> Which is so weird given the AFC standings, right? Like, it is just a mess. And yet the Bills are in a must-win situation. This is BetQL Daily presented by Ben Sham. Coming up next, can the Texans stay in the hunt for the AFC South, even against Zach Wilson and the Jets? That's right here on the BetQL Network.